This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. Spring baseball is here. Derek Wetmore covering spring training for 1500ESPN.com. You can find all of his coverage there on our social media channels, Instagram, uh, 1500ESPN, Twitter, Facebook.com slash 1500ESPN. Okay, number 64 is a left. Oh, this is Randy Rosario, the uh, veteran left-hander. He was with the Giants for a while, and uh, he is getting ready to... Throw pitches in the live session to a bunch of hitters I, quite frankly, have never really heard of. So if you have any idea who any of these guys are, you can chime in. He just told us not to ask him that question. <laughs> Don't ask me who Sam Field well, no is because like, no he has no idea. No one's coming to Derek for uh, Randy Rosario breakdown, so it, it doesn't really matter. I don't know. I'll, I'll watch Rosario for sure. Okay. Big fastball, electric slider. We'll just see what he's got. Control. <laughs> just drop that the is, That is Adrianza down there, boys. Uh, non-roster. Or, uh, that's, he's a guy that could make the team, so don't just, uh, don't just dismiss these groups on the backfields. Uh, and this isn't even a backfield. This is a know, front and center is, right here. Tommy Field. Sorry this, about this that. I the... said Sam Field. I think I Sam <laughs> Fold. So, uh, so Derek is hanging out with us, and we had Derek Falvey on earlier. We're going to re-air that in about an hour if you missed it off the top of the show. I've got good news. According to OddsShark.com, if they played out the season 100 times, the Twins would win the World Series once, boys. So you're telling me there's a chance. They would 100 to 1 twins, according to Odd Shark. That's the good news that you were going to bring? That's the good news that you teased? I've got more good news. Okay. Thank God, because I hope that wasn't. Because, I mean, there is, there's a lot of apathy surrounding the twins. There's just a lot of. A lot of people are upset, and we asked Falvey about this, that they haven't done more this offseason on the surface, free agents or trades or whatever it may be. Here is some good news for you. And it's not like, uh, you know, a, a bright beacon of light, it's just kind of a glimmer. The Twins, historically bad last year from a franchise perspective, yet they finished top half of the league offensively in OPS slugging percentage, and I believe they were top 10 in, and this is all of baseball, uh, so 30 teams, in home runs. Offensively, and that's with a roster of players that's probably going to crescendo over the next couple of years. So you can, and runs scored, I believe they were 15th or 16th, top half of the league in several key offensive categories and on the rise in 2017. You can hang your hat on that. That is... Your floppy, uh, weird Brad Childress hat. You can hang it on that. I could could hang my bucket hat on that. To me, that's not really... um, You you mentioned that's a glimmer of hope. I actually think that's some cause for hope. Like, Like, it's not just a tiny shadow sliver of hope. The Twins are a good offensive team. They kept Brian Dozier this winter. That's going to be big for them. I think you're going to get some production out of the left side of the infield. Offensively, that's a really strong group. Now, defensively, it has its question marks. But Jorge Polanco compared to shortstops and Miguel Sano compared to third baseman. The Twins, if if you're looking toward the future, you'll take that. That's that's a potentially encouraging sign. And then if you talk about Byron Buxton being the, the, the linchpin to this whole thing, like, I mean, he could really be a difference maker on offense and defense if what he showed in September was even close to the reality of what he'll be as a player. So I wouldn't say it's just a small tiny glimmer of hope like offense is something that the Twins are actually should be excited about going forward. There's probably, Judd, only about 
20 to 25 players in baseball because it's such a team collaborative sport. It's just you can't just have LeBron James and a bunch of scrubs and you still win 60 games. You can't just have Ken Griffey Jr. and nobody. Like, you have to have a roster. But there are about 20 or 25 franchise-changing players where if you do have that guy, there's a huge difference. There's several wins difference between him and the replay. Buxton could be that maybe starting this year. So there's another ray of optimism. What is the um, feeling about the odds that Buxton can take what he did in September, Derek, and build on that? Because there's you, you can go both ways. You can say that it's one month and it's at the end of a year when teams are expanding their rosters. Or you can say no. He, he has flat out said that when he got called up for that last time, you know, Tory called him and said, tune out everybody else and be you. How much realistic hope do you take from what you saw from that last month from Byron Buxton? I think there are four factors that play into this, and one of them you just mentioned. It's the stop trying to please everybody. Stop trying to do this little twitch, you know, at the plate because somebody said it might help you pick up on the curveball. Do what has allowed you to succeed as a minor leaguer, and Buxton did succeed as a minor leaguer. So this isn't just like, whoa, there was one great month that came out of nowhere. It was He was a star hitter in the minor leagues, and we just haven't seen it much in the big leagues. That's one factor. Another, I think it's fair to say he got a little bit lucky in September. There were some, you know, you dig deeper in the numbers and you see uh, there's some cause for concern. I mean, he's not going to hit nine home runs a month. Molitor said it yesterday himself. You can't take his September, multiply it by six, and say that's what he's going to be this year. I think that's entirely fair. Um, but another thing that maybe got overlooked a little bit, in September you saw a different swing from Byron Buxton. He was a big leg kick, just go get it kind of a guy. He's not. He's never going to be a high contact hitter, I don't think, so you'll always see some strikeouts. But he was really digging after it. He he went up to September and basically threw caution to the wind. It wasn't this little toe tap anymore where he tries to make contact with everything. He basically, I think, acknowledged, look, I'm going to swing and miss sometimes. But when I do make contact, I want it to be powerful, forceful contact. You see Miguel Sano do the same thing. I think Byron Buxton really tapped into that in September. And the fourth factor is, it sounds simple, it sounds trite, you hear it all the time, confidence. Byron Buxton started getting on a roll and started believing again after he'd known it all throughout the minor leagues. Hey, I'm a star. I am a top prospect for a reason. I think I'm going to succeed. You wake up feeling like you're going to succeed and it's a different day versus waking up wondering if you'll ever be able to find it again. I think all four of those things played into Buxton's huge September and taken together, I think it's an encouraging sign that he's not going to be that player necessarily. He can be much closer to that than the guy who was just didn't belong in the major leagues earlier in the season. I think he's I think he's right there knocking on that door. Uh, Derek Wetmore with us here. Something maybe you've already done some digging on this, but Derek Falvey came up here in the nine o'clock and said he has had face to face conversations at length, so ten minutes or more depending on the player, with all sixty two guys in spring training. And I'm wondering from I get from a GM's perspective or or in this case a CBO's perspective. Why that would be valuable? You want to make sure that you're that everyone feels empowered, that everyone kind of knows where they're at. The communication's open. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting and I think successful management style. I'd love to know on the player side because I would feel like as a player there'd be a lot of sort of trust issues with baseball front offices, and they're always in theory trying to keep you down. They're trying to limit your service time, maybe not directly, but they're trying to um, maybe limit your pay or whatever it may be. I'd love to know with this new regime and this new front office, both with players who've been here for a long time and new players, 
what that change is like for them. Have you talked sure. to many players about the new front office? Well, one thing that I think is interesting, you mentioned the sort of, uh, it's almost an adversarial relationship sometimes. The, you know, Jose Barrios really wants to break into the big leagues and be in the rotation. Well, I was arguing two seasons ago that the Twins might be best off if he's not in the rotation, and they save some service time. It seems like they're directly at odds. But Thad Levine said this winter, uh, and it, I thought it was a, just kind of a brilliant insight, we, we tend to think about it um, in terms of player versus team, right? Like Dellen Batanzas in the Yankees. He files for arbitration. The Yankees want to pay him $3 million. He wants yeah, to make $5 million. They have to million. argue against each other's values well, in a court. Did you yeah. see the uh, – I, I was reading some of the Batanzas quotes. He basically said that he sat in a room for 90 minutes and listened to the Yankees trash him, talk about how he's not a good reliever. Here is and one of the – And kept doing so afterwards one of the, with yeah, Randy in, Levine. In public, which yeah. was uh, another uh, questionable decision. Um, but, you know, here's this – Excellent reliever. One of the best relievers in baseball and the Yankees, for financial reasons, have to argue why they don't think he's that good or pretend that they don't think he's that good because they know he's excellent. Um, but Thad Levine brought up this point this winter that like 80% of the time or more, it's actually what benefits the player also benefits the team. Let's take Miguel Sano, for example. If he gets to free agency in a couple of years and he's going to be seeking a mega contract, it's great news for the Twins because it means he's turned into a mega star. And that's, of course, good for them up until that point. Uh, and I, I thought that was a really interesting insight that their Falvey characterized it as more of a, a team uh, concept. Like, we're going to work with the player on a plan for him how he can sort of bubble to that next level and really become a star because ultimately that benefits both sides more than this sort of adversarial relationship we always tend to think about. So uh, talking to some folks before the show this morning, uh, I was told I was told that it's more relaxed now, that last year that things were a little bit more uptight and that these, these two guys have done a very good job of, of – relaxing things and it's not now now that doesn't mean that there won't be some people uptight because their jobs might ultimately be in jeopardy because mm -hmm. there's going to be more change no mm -hmm. question but just as an overall atmosphere the word that was used was relaxed uh, compared to and I do think I think what that means is Terry was definitely more the type of guy who, who was the old school type of baseball guy and didn't want things out I'm sure that uh, that that uh, Derek and Thad sweat details, but it sounds like they might not sweat the same details as the previous administration. Yeah, did. maybe not. And I'm still kind of unraveling that thread. But w w the one thing that's struck me is that when you talk about these five-minute player meetings, you can't reinvent the wheel in five minutes. And I don't get the sense that they are trying to. I don't get the sense that Thad Levine and Derek Falvey are taking this and saying, okay, each one of these 62 player meetings is so critically important right. that we set the stage for his season. It's more like, eh, hey, let's chat for five minutes, make sure we're kind of on the same page, and furthermore, know that if you want to keep this conversation going, let's say, let's say we tell you you're not in competition for the starting rotation unless five guys get hurt. Um, but you think that you are. You think that you should be. Well, come to us with that. Come talk to us. Our door's open. Like, every every uh, executive in sports is going to say that he has an open-door policy. And then we'll very nicely tell you why you're terrible and why <laughs> yeah. you're fastball. Why you need to get out of my office <laughs> but you're, but you're right a, now. But you're a great person. We will very, very kindly DFA your you, ass. You, you can't do, you can't, you know, set the stage for an entire season with this meeting, but you can at it's least smart. open the conversation and, and get the ball rolling a little bit. One one final thing here, and because I've heard this from a few people whenever we bring up Byron Buxton's September, 
the common retort from the skeptics is and via email, Twitter, whatever. Well, remember Chris Parmley in 2011 or 2000, yeah, uh, yeah 2011 was his call up, age 23, actually straight from Double A. And Chris Parmley, most mostly in September, August and September, batted 338. <clears throat> I'm sorry, 355, 355 <laughs> with a 443 on base, and uh, and slugged almost 600. Well, and look what happened to him is the retort. Well, Chris Parmley was a little older when he got called up for one. Secondly, go look at their minor league track records yeah. and then compare to what uh, is sort of being projected on a major league. Byron Buxton's minor league OPS is 100 points higher than Chris Parmley's was. So Parmley was such a deviation from his normal performance in the right. minors. Buxton's was not. I mean, I agree. He's not going to hit 10 home runs every month for the rest of his life, but that was much more of a... Byron Buxton was a 300-plus hitter in the minors who got on base, who hit the cover off the ball from a power perspective. Mm -hmm. So September was, was, I think, much more viable in terms of projecting forward for Buxton than Parmalee. Two things that baseball evaluators will often tell you is you can get fooled by spring training and you can get fooled by September. I, I was fooled by Hosmiel Pinto. You remember he hit an excellent September. I thought, boy, whew, the Twins have got an offensive-minded catcher. Turns out he can't catch, so then he's a DH, and he probably can't hit that well either. But, but, but Buxton to your point, Phil, was a star in the minor leagues, and he just turned 23 this offseason. He had that September at age 22 in the major leagues, never lost confidence in his ability to do it. I think Buxton's a little bit different case. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, carving the Hall of Fame bust just yet. he doesn't have to be great. Yet, out of the gate this year, he just needs to be good enough. Yeah, you know, like I'm not inducting him. He in, doesn't need to hit ten home runs. He's not going to but, Cooperstown this year. But, but there's but there's a difference between what we saw for so so much of his big league career up until September, oh, yeah. right? And what we saw then. If you can just sort of combine those two yeah. to get in the middle, you'll you, you'll be great. Let's, Different let's squeeze a quick break in here. Hang with us for one okay, more short sure. segment here because Fangraphs came out with individual player projections, including Byron Buxton numbers for 2017, which I think are very interesting. If he put up these numbers, would we be able to live with this for the next couple of years? Mackie and Judd, Derek Wetmore covering spring training for 1500ESPN.com. Find our weekly and sometimes even more than that Twins discussion on the Touch 'Em All podcast. Uh, we'll have original episodes out probably starting tomorrow and maybe another one later on this week. And later on, We'll get back to the, uh, the the. We've been talking a lot of Timberwolves in terms of, you know, uh, should they have gone after Boogie Cousins and does this trade remind you of something that didn't happen a long time ago? We're going to get to that later on as well. Mackie and Judd at Hammond Stadium. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch 'Em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. The first couple of years I thought it was okay, but the whole notion now just sort of drives me crazy. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I don't want to know, no, 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 who's taking you home, oh, 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 I'm loving you so, Okay, gentlemen, so, so, and Derek Wetmore, 
Who's, Ouch. Ha who's hanging out wow. with us here at Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers? It's like third grade, yeah, right there. Geez. Take that. I don't know how to respond. <laughs> uh, you don't really. Just allow it to go off. If I were to tell you guys, and this is according to Fangraphs.com, they have different projections. So that what they did, one of their projections is if, if every player in baseball had 600 plate appearances, what would his full season look like? Now that's that's the equivalent of like 142 games. So you could. So I'm going to give you these numbers, these Byron Buxton projections. And uh, you can then add on if you want to, if you think he's going to play more or whatever, whatever you want to do with him. If I told you Byron Buxton would hit 245 with a 300 on base percentage, so not great in those categories, but certainly better than his career numbers to this point, he's going to slug over 400 with 18 home runs, 25 doubles, six triples, score and drive in about 70 each. And steal 20 bases. How would you feel about that? I think I'd be disappointed if I'm the Twins. 2017. Uh, those are, I mean, those are much bigger numbers than he's put up yeah, at, but, to this point in his career. And, and combine, uh, you know, mediocre to below batting line with an elite defensive center fielder who could win the Gold Glove if uh, if people start paying a little more attention to Buxton in center field. That's still like I mean that's a decent player. You'll you'll bat that ninth and say okay we'll take the defense and and the offense. But I see that as sort of like a conservative projection for Byron Buxton. I kind I kind of think that that's including I'm sure I, and I haven't dug into these projections here, but I'm sure that includes a lot of his major league struggles. Like it includes you're you're sort of you've got this gravity that's pulling down his projection because we've got so much of a sample of his of bad Byron Buxton or more to the point, not ready Byron Buxton, and then they're only including a smidge of superstar caliber Byron Buxton. Yeah, they have him striking out 175 times and that in could be That could be games. light. <laughs> I mean, like he, he'll strike out a lot. If his strikeout rate's around 30% or so, you, you kind of have to take that. You take the bad with the good, and in this case, I think the good could be a little bit better because I expect his approach to, to take a step forward this season now that he's got kind of the seasoning under his belt and the confidence that we talked about last segment. I see him being a different player. So if he's only getting on base at like a 300 clip, that's that's okay. I mean, you'll still start him. You'll still bat him ninth, and you'll be very happy with the defense that you get out there. But I think your expectation should be a little bit higher if you're the Twins for Buxton in 2017. I would say that if he, if he did that, I would – if I'm the Twins, my feeling is I, I can continue to build off that. So I wouldn't be Take disappointed. Take another step forward yes, next I wouldn't year. be disappointed because I think this is, this is to go back to the term now that gets used way too much. It's just a process. Yeah. I, and so would it be great for him to go from, let's say, point D to point A? It'd be sure. fantastic. But if he's going – I know going into a season that he is going to give me elite outfield defense. Mm -hmm. And so if he provides the offensive line filth that you just gave, I'm not thrilled by it, but I say I can build off of it, so I'm not disappointed. Uh, yeah, and I'll give it again here. 243 average, 18 home runs, 70 runs and 70 RBIs in that, in that range, 25 doubles, 6 triples, 20 stolen bases, gets on base at about a 300 clip. And then whatever he gives you in center field, which is probably going to be top five in the league and mm -hmm. maybe even the Gold best glove in the league. defense, probably. I'm taking this for 2017, but if he's still doing that when he's 25, 26, and he's kind of a poor man's Melvin Upton. Yeah, you're disappointed. Yeah, then. if this is the ceiling, which I mean, obviously you wouldn't expect anything a player does at age 23 to be a ceiling. But yeah. if this is the ceiling, I'd be disappointed. If this is what you get in his first full season, I'm going to take it. 
put it in the bank, and then hope for improvement off this. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with this. I agree with what Judd's saying. The point D, you kind of have to go to point C to B to A. Yeah, baseball baseball is more than rare, any, right? More than any, than any other sport, sport, it seems Where like. you just all, all of a sudden accelerate and go from being an okay or yeah, below average player with, to being great. With that being said, we're not comparing Byron Buxton, I don't think, to the standard Major League player who just kind of goes up through the minors, takes his lumps, and then gets there and builds off something every year. Byron Buxton's peers are the elite prospects. you got to look at those guys and see how they progress in the major leagues. And more important than the power to me, if I'm the Twins, is the on-base percentage. Your line there, Phil, had Buxton hitting 18 home runs, and that's good. You'll take that uh, for a guy that maybe two years ago he didn't expect would hit any out. Um, but he really showed power in September last year, and I think the bigger thing for a speedy guy like him, if he's getting on base a lot, it's yeah. an indication that he's got a better approach at the plate, and he's going to wreak havoc on the bases once he learns to really refine that part of his game. So th- this gets uh, back uh, to me to a very intriguing part of this discussion, though, because we we have basically deducted that part of the problem was he had everybody in his ear basically saying, go up there and just yeah. bunt or do do this, do that. How much of this conversation also needs to rotate around the fact that Byron Buxton needs to be allowed to learn himself? Because if you do say, you know what, Byron, don't concern yourself with the power. Shorten up your stroke and do this or that. You then have a player who then starts to get confused again. Mm-hmm. So so while ideally, I think what you're saying, Derek, is right, I, I also think there needs to be caution here because if you if you then go back and say, well, Byron, right. we're going to work with you on this, and then Tory comes along and says, no, this, and then <laughs> that's this, right. yeah. you get back yeah. to having the same confused kid, and yeah. that's the kid who goes up there and doesn't doesn't have a clue because he's trying to satisfy four people in one at bat. Too many cooks in the kitchen, Yes, and I think that you should simplify it. I heard uh, at, during Twins Fest, your colleague, uh, for Saturday morning sports talk, Royce was talking. My current roommate was talking about, I, you know, he's so fast. I don't want to see him hit the ball further than forty feet ever. He'll hit four hundred if he just bunts it halfway up the infield. And that's great for Juan Pierre, who can't yeah, hit a ball at four past forty it's, feet. It's possible, yeah, that you could have a high on base percentage by doing that and just kind of being this like you know punch and Judy hitter. But Buxton has the potential to be so much more than that. I would take the opposite track. I think Pat was joking a little bit. I want to see Buxton never put the ball on the ground. I don't want to see him bunt. I don't want to see him try to position a ball through a shift in the infield so he can maybe yeah. squeeze out a single. I want to see him, if I'm the Twins, hitting line drives, fly balls deep to the outfield, hit the gaps, and then use your speed around the bases. A double for some other people is a triple for Buxton. A single into the corner whether your outfielder cuts it off for most people is a double for Byron Buxton. Those extra bases are far more valuable to me than the you know occasional little drop it down, squibber, bunt yeah. hit. I think Buxton should focus more on being a line drive power hitter. To me, you have to think of him as just take speed out of the equation. Think of him as a guy who's able to go up there and slug 500. He's able to put up slugging percentages with the top players in baseball. Speed helps that because he's turning yeah. doubles into, into uh, singles into doubles, doubles into triples. But I'm with you. Like I think speed is... Speed is like this, this seasoning on his game. He can hit line drives. He can hit the ball 450 feet. He's not your prototypical slap the ball around and uh, just beat out infield yeah. singles. That's a complementary part of his game, not a feature. I get the temptation because he is so fast and because he'd struggled so badly. It was like, well, if you just bunt, you're going to be at least a 270 hitter. Put it this way, in Anaheim, not a lot of people clamoring for Mike Trout to drop down a few more bunts a week. And I see Buxton not necessarily being in the echelon of best player in the game like Mike Trout, but his skill set is so similar. you got to 
remember, Mike Trout's also a line drive power hitter who just happens to run really, really, really fast. Derek Wetmore, find his coverage on 1500ESPN.com of spring training in the coming weeks. And also uh, you can find our Touch Em All podcast feed on iTunes, 1500ESPN.com, and Podcast One. All right, go apply some more sun. Thank you, sir. It's like yeah. you're starting to get a little red right. there. Thanks, guys. Under the ice. Put that hat on. Yeah, this is, uh, Come this is on. not going to end well Put for you. Put the bucket hat back on. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This- Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.